My name is nobody. I can't tell you where I live. I can't tell you my last name. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, the show where a handful of weirdos talks all about every Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld, it's Vivian. It's finally cold enough here that I can have my comforter on my bed, and it's great. <laughs> Fuck summer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're also joined by the most elegant screen on Earth, it's Kate. I've always found the comforter to be, comforter to be less of a temperature thing, and more of a separating myself from the outside world kind of thing. Uh, so I always have the comforter on my bed. I don't care what the temperature is. I don't care if I'm sweating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big same. <laughs> yeah, it's still 100 degrees where I live. I don't care. <laughs> Ceiling uh, fans exist for a reason. Happy first day of autumn, everybody. It's still 100 degrees in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I think that was technically yesterday as of this recording, but yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that, yeah, that the Earth that, so. is dying. I'm sorry. Yay! <laughs> Wait. Okay, so I guess the Yurks are winning then. Fuck. <laughs> no, that's just humans being humans. Uh, Yay! <laughs> we suck. <laughs> well, to be fair, mostly it's the rich ones. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the ones with all the power who can actually make a change or they're making all the bad changes. It's not like, uh, like, I don't know, marginalized indigenous groups or anyone in the global south or, like, anyone who's at risk of being swallowed up by the ocean should sea levels rise are actively doing this. No, they're yeah. not. So it's not all of us. Don't say, don't say humans suck as if you're pinning it on True. them, too. <laughs> True. <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, if, if there's any amount of cosmic justice in the world, maybe Mar-a-Lago will get destroyed in a hurricane that Florida has to deal with every few weeks. Yeah. Environmental concerns are strangely apt for this particular book. Ha. Mm, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pointed that out. Segway! Yeah. yeah! Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, it's a good one because it's New Book Day. It's the best day of the month. Huzzah. New book, new book, new book. I mean, we don't, we uh, don't. I mean, wait, have we actually had a new book each month? I'm trying to think based on. How long uh, I mean, usually the books last three weeks, so. Roughly. Yeah, some, sometimes, sometimes we get New Book Day twice a month. Yeah, best exactly. day of the month ish. <laughs> uh. But yeah, we are here to start a book today. The book of the... Uh, the, the, the I was going to say month, but also this one's only going to take us two weeks. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, technically we'll be finishing on October 1st, so it's like technically not also the book of the month. And also won't The book of the moment it. is The Secret, Animorphs Book 9. Written by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant, published July 1997. For reasons I do not know, the cover for this one was not done by David Mattingly. This was done by Damon C. Torres and the Iway Company. We are going to go back to David's work in the future, but this one is just by somebody else for some reason. <laughs> now, now, remind me again, uh, how long do we get to the fucking Legoland one? <laughs> uh, that's number 26. Yeah. Uh... Again, very long time. <laughs> Definitely yeah, worth least, the wait, though. I love that at one. Least, at least a year. Because <laughs> I mentioned that because I saw it again because somebody posted it on Blue Sky and uh, Jeff, uh, the creator of Crestone Content, was like, why does the Andalite have, like, a vagina face? <laughs> or whatever it was. Because the Andalites have vagina faces. That's just how it works. 
Yeah, I guess. It's mostly the <laughs> nose. It like it's kind of like more like a pig nose. But then ever since he said that, it's like, well, now I'm never gonna unsee it. <laughs> it's like it's. I always figured them having three nostrils with like one yeah. long one and flanked by two shorter ones. Mm. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like but, I guess I mean, you could, it could be a vagina face, but yeah, that would be a weird configuration. Also, <laughs> like you wouldn't want to. I mean, I don't want to get into. It's just it wouldn't it wouldn't have the same if you tried to use it for the same thing, it would be very bad for the handling. <laughs> just very very bad. <laughs> uh, would have been so much worse if they not just had a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> then they wouldn't have to eat through their hooves slash butts, and also they would actually be able to uh, fuck in a normal way if they just had a mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Okay, never mind. Because I was thinking like. You were saying if you could use the Andalite nostril in the same way as a vagina, they no, wouldn't have to no. eat their hooves. And I was like, what do you think vaginas are used for? Uh, note to all the listeners, uh, Vivian has not ever had any sort of sex whatsoever, so... <laughs> <sighs> I believe for like yeah. three minutes into the episode, you call it vagina face already. <laughs> you don't have to, that's a choice. <laughs> Everyone always has a choice. Nobody. <laughs> um. So, right. Uh, back on track. The cover quote for this book is "No place to run, no place to hide." So I feel like the TV show has, you know, I don't think it's started by this point, but they've definitely started production because. Also, like, know, why? Why was that not like no, the? No, why was that no. not like the tagline of Megamorphs because of the fucking? Uh. Thing I'm forgetting the name of already. I don't but the leak. I don't think Megamorphs had a tagline, if I remember. I don't correctly. think it did, but it's like if it did, this would be like more of a better fit for that because that thing was like, well, obviously they can't morph if the thing can always find them. Yeah, in that case they're <laughs> like, there is no place to run and no place to hide. For this book, it doesn't seem very apt actually. Yep. But Yeah. I mean it might just be based on like the situation with the forest. Because of well, the bias, not having I another mean, place to go. Well, here's but like the thing is that in the first twelve chapters of this book, there actually is a lot of running and a lot of hiding. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> mm. So like, so like it it just seems like it would fit, it wouldn't really fit that like there's clearly you know what I mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and the inside cover quote is, "What big teeth you have." Uh, normally I just say that, but I actually managed to find a picture of the book laid out as it is in person, so this should give Vivian an idea of how that looks. You've got the image on the right side here, and on the left side you have the inside quote along with just a blurb from the book itself. So that's that's how those are always laid out, with the inside quote printed literally on the inside of the cover along with the barcode. Right, yeah, I mean that is literally just verbatim uh, section of the book, I think um, the chapter... Uh, that you end on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I yeah, mean, like, uh, just say, like, here's what we're gonna allude to happening in the book, like other books I can think of off the top of my head. That's just literally photo, that's just copy, that's just Control-C, Control-V onto there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, one other little bit of trivia about this book. For reasons I'm not entirely clear on, this page that I've just sent you is from book eight. This is advertising book nine that we are about to start reading today. And you'll notice in the bottom right-hand corner, it advertises that book nine has a free tattoo in every book. Oh, boy. Uh, 
<laughs> temporary tattoo, I would imagine. One would imagine, but the thing is, is that there's not, in fact, a tattoo in Book 9. For whatever reason, that just didn't happen, and so instead it came bundled with this postcard, which is the assets from the cover of the Megamorphs book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that happens, but I assume there was some sort of production snafu that kept them from putting temporary tattoos in. Maybe it was rubbing off on the pages or something. Who knows? I don't also, understand... The point of a Animorph-themed postcard. Yeah, I was going to bring up, like, <laughs> A, that kind of does, like, mean that if you are sending this and the Yorks actually did exist, that you must know something going on here, based well, on the terminology and everything. And also, like, uh, oh, fuck, I well, forgot there was, what, there was something else I was going to bring up. <laughs> to that point, there was actually, like, so anytime anyone sent fan mail to, to K. Mm -hmm. Applegate, they would send back a form letter that was basically supposed to be written by Mr. Three. Uh, it's like, ah, oh, we intercepted your fan letter. Um, but also, postcards are for, like, you know, sending to people... Yeah, like while you're on like, vacation. Like, yeah, like from specific locations, you buy a postcard, you send them in order to brag that you're in Bermuda or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is like, why would... Why, under what circumstance would you send an Animorphs postcard? <laughs> like... Yeah, uh, and you need someone to join us and fight together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, right. Also, th that's the other thing I was thinking of. Uh, how they don't have the morphing cube anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, again, it's like a it's like a fan thing. You're supposed to send it like like picture like let's get out of fiction for a bit and think mm -hmm. about a kid who bought this book and found the postcard. Who the fuck? Is that kid gonna send the postcard to? <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do with this? I'm now imagining like the animorphs assigning Tobias to deal with all their fan mail they get, and it's just him trying to do his best, like picking them up and with his beak and just tossing them in like the discard pile and like the very small like to keep pile. <laughs> again, 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 like stepping out of the fiction, thinking about know, like uh, yeah, what yeah, a kid in the '90s does. With this thing, I can't think of a single thing they would do. No, I mean, as I mean, I can't think of any time I've ever actually sent a postcard. Oh no, absolutely. like at all. <laughs> like no. Uh, and then one other thing that I wanted to touch on before we jump in. This has always been true from the beginning of the series, but I only managed to find this one recently. Uh, for whatever reason, most international covers use the exact same images. But in Vietnam, they do not use these images. They instead hand-draw versions of the cover. So I just wanted to send that your way because that looks like something out of Werewolf the Apocalypse. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. <laughs> it really does. You got, you got the Urschel right there. You got the Goral right there. It's great. <laughs> But yes, so that's that. That's all the the pre book trivia that I've got. For I, you today. I have to imagine that at least one person who has played Werewolf the Apocalypse has definitely referred to them working out as it's morphing time or something like that. <laughs> like I want to I want to play uh, a werewolf character who is just really into the animorphs. Yeah, they're, they're they're just so convinced. Like I read these books as a kid. Clearly, this must be real. We gotta find the brain slugs, guys. And it's like, well, there's like no brain slugs to, at least Not, in what you're thinking. But there's a lot of other terrible shit going on in this world. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on if you're playing Werewolf the Apocalypse or Werewolf the the, the Forsaken. 
Because you're playing Werewolf the Apocalypse. Uh, oh, I didn't, then, I didn't know there were... Pentex. Pentex oh, is the villain. I didn't realize that there were, like, two different werewolf, uh, like... There um, is for, the, World of Darkness for everything. World of Darkness yeah. in 2004 ended the, um, ended the, the, their, like, classic game line and created Chronicles of Darkness, mm. which is an entirely different continuity, but then they brought back the old games as, like, 20th anniversary shit, and so now they both exist, and it's confusing. There's, like, uh, two yeah, different all... continuities. Yeah, also the 5th edition books use the original continuity, so mm -hmm. they, they went back to it, and... It's so weird. Yeah, hmm. no, and it's like it's also it's like it's the same continuity, but it's a different one because the other one ended in two thousand four, and this one's updated for the modern day. And it's mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a bunch of confusing nerd shit that you can't parse unless you've really been into it. So <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <sighs> <laughs> Every tabletop system is kind of dumb. <laughs> hey, it's been uh like thirteen minutes. We haven't even started the book. So let's go. Yep, it sure has. So, chapter one, uh, which I have called Rat Girl, year one. Um, this is the intro chapter, so the first page is all, this is what Yorks are, these are what Animorphs are, yada yada. Uh, oh, Cassie tells us that she's Cassie, and this is the book she's telling us. Uh, that's <laughs> probably a good thing to touch on, since people listening can't see the cover. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then... That's that's just the full page. In the second page, we get introduced to Rachel. Cassie and Rachel are in school, after school, and uh, they're doing a project for science class. Cassie is not doing super well in science class, but uh, basically she has built a maze for a rat to figure out. This seems pretty heavy for a 13-year-old, but I guess we're doing live animal experiments in the 90s. Um... <laughs> The problem is, Courtney the rat cannot seem to find her way through the maze, despite it being made of cardboard. So, she can't, like, you know, apparently your grade is based on whether the animal can actually complete the maze for some reason, and not how well you did the experiment. So, Cassie's fully gonna fail this class, on account of the rat won't go through the maze, so... <laughs> Yeah, that definitely seems like uh, a not great way of grading a kid. <laughs> that's not how yep. you. That's not how you grade science. That's not how you grade labs. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how you it's do like, that. It's like, uh, teacher, um, the mouse is not cooperating. Well, uh, sorry there, but it looks like you had enough. And it's like, well, why? Well, because uh, you should have better animal handling. I don't know. <laughs> um, Done you. You didn't succeed, so you don't you don't get a yeah, good Yeah, sorry, you're rolling, you keep rolling in that one, kiddo. Does sucks to suck. <laughs> no, see, the trick is to get the kids to explain why they rolled in that one, and then if they do that well enough... Well, because, well, uh, teacher, see, the laws of probability dictate... <laughs> It's like, you're, this is science class, you're doing math, that's bullshit, you can't do that here. <laughs> no, you do math and science. Listen, you do math and science. It's like the number one thing. Don't worry you do. about it. No, mm -hmm. don't don't worry about it. It's science class, not math class. There's <laughs> lots of math and science. <laughs> don't don't believe their lies, listeners. <laughs> uh, Rachel and Cassie have stayed after school. They're the only ones here because they're. Well, Cassie is desperately trying to get this rat to go through the maze, and Rachel is just there because. She's attached at the hip. Um, 
And yeah, Cassie explains that if they cannot get the rat through this maze, she's going to fail and she cannot bring her parents a failing grade because then they would just hover over her for weeks talking about how they're bad parents and they must be failing Cassie because of course they are both veterinarians and Cassie can't get a rat to go through a maze, which is not a thing a veterinarian does, but we're associating because animals. Um, <laughs> it's high animal handling skill, but it, 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 it's about both things, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, we raised our daughter to be a better wisdom character than this. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Rachel tells her to just morph into the rat, because then she could, like, figure out the problem, and Cassie resists, because, you know, the rule is no morphing outside of missions or whatever, and... They, but they, they break that rule all the fucking time! <laughs> <laughs> That's basically Listen. not a rule at this point, it's a light suggestion. <laughs> I mean... Okay, sure, but eventually Cassie gives in and agrees to do this on the condition that Rachel will do it also. Because remember that time they were, el or she was an elephant and Cassie was there for her, and like, that's not a thing. That doesn't. I don't know. I know why Rachel is gonna morph a rat for plot reasons, but I don't know why she's doing it for personal reasons. Yeah, I really like didn't understand. Wouldn't it be better if she were there to like keep an eye on the situation? Yeah, yeah. That's like that's what I was thinking. It's like this is the most like tenuous at best reason for them both to be morphed into a rat, especially because Rachel doesn't even accompany her into the maze. <laughs> mm -hmm. So why yeah. not stay as lookout? <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's just assuming, eh, Tobias is probably around being lookout anyway. He's got us, right? And meanwhile, it's like Tobias, the camera cuts to Tobias in the woods eating like a mouse or something. He's like, hmm, <laughs> did somebody mention me? Eh, whatever. <laughs> but yes, um, so they close the door and they don't seal the room or anything. They just close the door and acquire the rat. And Cassie does mention here that she's pretty short. So that, is, I think, is the first time we've gotten that descriptor of her. So cool, I guess. And, um, yeah, they morphed down into rats. And they did not plan this at all, because, again, they are in school. And their clothes just sort of fall all over the floor. Like, what if somebody walks in here and there's just two pairs of empty clothes scattered on the floor? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. what if what if that happens, Patch? Maybe we should read more! Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yes, so the last part of this chapter we get is Rachel commenting on how nervous the rats are. But they don't seem overwhelmed, so maybe they're getting used to this, this new animal thing. Um, so this will take us into chapter 2, which I have titled Despite All My Rage. Uh, Cassie describes what rat vision is like a little bit, and it's not great. They, they can't see colors or shapes very well. It's more movement-based, so it's it's like they can see, but it's... Uh, reality is in, like, 140p for them. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, at the time of the early to mid-90s, like, 140p is, like, the best you get, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So Cassie's describing the room and how she interacts with it as a rat, and she mentions that she can smell the seeds and nuts in the maze that she wants Courtney the rat to go find. And uh, then the instincts try to grip her, which is to say that uh, she's getting hungry. She's nervous and she's hungry. So they decide to go somewhere which is not just sitting in the middle of the floor with two abandoned piles of clothes. <laughs> and uh, Cassie scoots right up the wall and uh, from 
the wall. They jump onto the backpack, onto the chair, onto the sweater, onto the table. It's They're very um, acrobatic rats, I guess. Because they're just jumping all over the place. But they do um, arrive on the table. And Rachel insists that Cassie goes in the maze while she sits out here to keep watch. And uh, yeah, Cassie drops into the maze and immediately realizes that she cannot smell the seeds and nuts. So... Uh, she looks around and realizes that the problem is the fan above them. The fan is blowing the scent of the nuts away, so Courtney does not know that there's anything to look for in the maze. And right as she figures this out, uh, someone bursts into the room loudly and starts screaming in all caps, Hey, look, rats! Someone should exterminate them! <laughs> that suggests that no one in the classroom is going to get, like, like good good results on their on their lab but also this reminds me of a time when no one in uh in college when no one in the lab we were in was able to breed any uh sheep's head minnows because the lights were bad and everyone who was in the other lab got to breed theirs and we didn't get any success and it's unfair and it's environmental <laughs> but you know what they didn't do they didn't fail us because we couldn't do it so hey you know what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me- um, meanwhile, me growing up as a kid, we had to deal with like crayfish for a bit uh, with a class thing, and nobody wanted to grab those things because of their little pinchy claws. That, that was a college <laughs> aquaculture course, so. Oh, okay. I, was, I'm thinking of like yeah. fifth grade. <laughs> no, this was this was in college. Uh, we had to breed <laughs> sheep's head minnows because sheep's head minnows are hardy enough that if you throw them at a wall, they'll probably survive. Um. Mm. And they're really so supposed supposed to be really easy to breed, but the thing is that like, so I think what it was was the lights we had in the sea life facility were not as good at like growing algae as the ones in the wetlands lab and like in in the in the wet lab. Um, sorry, no, the wetlands center and sea life facility. So the ones the ones in the wetlands center, which were where we were, weren't as good as the ones in the sea life facility, which was the wet lab, and uh, they they were able to grow there their little sheep's head minnow larva well because they had algae to feed on, and we didn't have that. So even though we were feeding them the right amount of cocoa pods, like every four hours, getting up in the middle of the night, they didn't survive. <laughs> so yeah. I was seven to those getting you know, those. Mm. There you go. So breeding sheep's troops. head minnows. If you bring sheep's head minnows, <laughs> remind make sure that you have uh, like UV lights. If, if, if at, at all that is in any way important to anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so these two 12-year-olds burst into the science lab and see rats there and immediately start trying to kill them. Uh, we got a lot of onomatopoeia here. We don't super know what's happening, but something is slamming down onto the table trying to crush these rats, which, like, you're in a science lab and there are rats in a maze. Do you really think you're gonna get away with this? I mean, dear no, lord, eighth, even... Eighth, eighth, grade, eighth grade boys would 100% do this. Yeah. Like, this is, this is not out of character for them. I, this, yeah, this is, this is, very, this is like, one of the most realistic things in this book. I, I, I don't know. I just... I guess, the, I guess the one unrealistic thing is the fact they take no notice that there being two piles of girl clothes on the ground. <laughs> 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 they notice the rats. Not the fact that they might see them and be like, are there two girls around here naked or something? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so they're just slamming things over, and they use a broom to try and sweep everything off the table, and um, 
Then, yeah, Cassie has to jump off the table to avoid being squashed while Courtney the Rat goes the other way. And uh, as she hits the ground, she realizes that the boys have captured Courtney more or less. They've got her stuck in a corner and are basically trying to stab her with the broom handle. And um, of course, they're not going to let that happen because one, she's a, you know, living thing. And two, she's important to Cassie's grade. <laughs> and yet, and yet uh, apparently Cassie will fail anyway without this gun. <laughs> Because Courtney fucks off forever. <laughs> what, what, who, who the fuck is their teacher? Like, yeah. Also, that yeah. Who is the teacher who is like a making kids deal with live rats to get a grade, and b not like making sure that to teach other like, hey, don't try and kill these rats. They're they, not here as like nuisances or whatever. They're here as actual parts of this experiment. Having kids work with live rats is one thing. That's fine. Having them work with live rats unsupervised, that's mm-hmm, a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, having them work with uh, live rats unsupervised, that's a problem. Also, um, having them, like, like pinning their grade on whether or not the rat succeeds or not is, is, is also stupid. Uh, so two things that are wrong here. Unsupervised work, un- unsupervised uh, work with with live animals. Also, uh, not doing science labs right. <laughs> yep. But also, I'm just saying, Cassie is a real dork. She could have just said, "Yup, the rat went through the maze after the teacher left." <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's stopping that? There's not like they're like having to. Lo- it's not like Rachel's holding a camera to record or something. Nope. <laughs> <sighs> but. Yes, either way, so to save Courtney, uh, Rachel and Cassie as rats attack these boys, and by attack I mean uh, climb up their pant legs. Uh, they're inside the boys' pants, so, hmm. Never would have thought Cassie would be the first one to get in a boy's pants, but there you go. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, the, uh, the, the boys one, like, freak actually, out. She's the one, like, properly actually dating a boy, though, to be fair. Yeah. Also, to be fair, she probably wears boys' pants relatively often working yeah. on the farm. Yeah, there just is that for too. pure durability standards. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also like the other like kind of couples, like well, one of them is uh, a bird and therefore does not wear pants. <laughs> 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 kind of hard for Rachel to do that then. <laughs> yeah, you can't borrow your boyfriend's clothes if he doesn't wear them in the first place. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would say that if they're her pants. Then it doesn't matter where she bought them in a store. They're girls' pants. It's like it's like what it's like what Eddie Izzard exactly. once said. You know, like these are these are men's clothes. I bought them. They're mine. That's the yeah. that's that's uh you know the the like if they, if they belong to a girl, they're girls' pants. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the uh, the boys freak out, and while they're panicking, Courtney's able to run. So the uh, the girls just sort of. Zoom out of those pants and out of the science lab, and uh, then the last thing they see of the boys is they're just running away in panic, but yeah, they never see Courtney again. Cassie gives us this right now. She has just disappeared forever. The end. But, uh, yeah. Hmm? Why the magic F for Cassie? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, they find a place to demorph. Does not say where. Hopefully the classroom so they can put their clothes back on. And then they go home. The end of this chapter. Um, My headcanon is that Tobias eats Courtney later. 
Yeah, like uh, Cassie being like, hey, Tobias, uh, if you get the chance, can you, like, scatter around the school and see if you can find a mouse? It, it's, it's this color fur. It looks like this. It's probably terrified out of its mind. He And, like, Tobias is just, like, has, like, a flashback to the dead thing where it just shows him, like, gobbling it up. And he's like, yes, I will help look for this mouse. <laughs> see, the thing is that if, if you release a white rat, like most lab rats are, mm-hmm. They're gonna be easily detectable by predators. Yeah. They don't have the, the, the yeah, they don't have camouflage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get eat real fast in the wild. <laughs> Unless you're in the snowlands. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So that'll take us into chapter three, which I have titled Lincoln Loggers. Uh. The animorphs all meet up at the barn. Cassie is in her work clothes, which is to say, dirty overalls, big rubber boots, and elbow-length rubber gloves. And when Rachel shows up, there's some, like, playful banter about how poorly Cassie dresses, which doesn't seem super fair. Like, she's clearly in her work uniform. Mm. You're not gonna wear high fashion to muck yeah. out the stalls. And yeah. Come on. She she does she does suggest, uh, you can keep the big rubber boots if you insist, but we're getting you a dress. And you know what? That's a look. I, yeah, I, it sure I, is. I, I appreciate, I, I, you know what? I don't, dress, bigger rubber boots? I like that. I like that look. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Cute sundress in big boots is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Marco and Jake pull up, arguing about whether Batman could beat Spider-Man. Spider-Man is spelled incorrectly every time he's yep. put in this book. They don't also, include the hyphen. Also, uh, Spider-Man would absolutely win. <laughs> um, Batman's just uh, Batman's a guy. <laughs> Look, Spider-Man. They they bring up like well I mean he's got armor so Spider Man can't do anything I've played like that Spider Man game for 2018 there's a bunch of armored dudes okay. Spider Man does it just fine there's two <laughs> there's two questions that mm-hmm. would need to be answered in order to answer this question one does Batman have a plan two Always. does the plot need Batman to win <laughs> I guess there is that yeah to consider it. <laughs> Because the answer, the answer is, if Batman has a plan and the plot needs him to win, then yes, Batman would win. <laughs> if the answer is, has Batman not had time to prepare, and does the plot need Spider-Man to win, then the answer is Spider-Man. <laughs> it depends on the writer. It depends on, on who. Like this, this, this. Based on their conversation of Batman has armor, so Spider-Man's webs won't work. That's, no, that's, that's not at all. Yeah, that's, that's not at all gonna stop the webs. Like it's that's, still like. Yeah. And like Whoa. I get Batman strong, but he's not superhuman strong. He just has, he's just buff. <laughs> Spider Man's actually a superhuman. Also, are we talking okay. about about like which Batman are we talking about? Are we talking about also, also that yeah? Batman? Are we talking about Adam West Batman? You know? Are we talking about the Spider Man that has the fucking stab murder uh like arachnid leg things or just like Toby McGuire Spider Man? <laughs> okay. But- what I will say is this. Under standard circumstances, just generic Spider-Man and Batman, Batman will always win. Not because he's better, not because Spider-Man's weaker, but because literally one of Batman's plans to deal with Superman is to just blow up the sun so he doesn't have powers anymore. And if he's willing to do that, there is nothing Spider-Man that can do that will stop him. But how, does, but how would Batman blow up the sun? I don't know, but it's one of his plans. He said it in a book. <laughs> 
And Peter yeah. will always give in if the alternative is the person he's fighting blows up at, the sub at, because at he's us, not willing to sacrifice the planet like on that. social media, listeners, and weigh in of who would win. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing this argument. Please, please who would... I've, I've thought about, like, doing a podcast like that where you just debate about who would win, but the thing is that it was pointless because anytime you have a question about who would win in a fight, it depends on who's writing. It depends on what they yep. want. Yeah. It depends on the plot, you know? And, and, al- and also, like, they're all, like, they're usually, like, something like Goku versus, like, Superman or something. Yeah, but, like, which Goku? Which Superman? Y- yeah. You know? From what point in time? From wh- from which writer? It-, it-, it depends, based on that. So there's really no answer to it. Yeah, like, it's like, does Goku also know about fucking, uh... God, what the fucking thing that Superman speak to? Uh, Krypton or anything. Probably not, because he's Goku and he's a dumbass. Right, but the point here I'm making is... Yes, it just depends on the writer, because the writer is just gonna write whoever they like better winning, but also, just in terms of pure, like, willingness to do stuff, Batman's gonna take this, because Spider-Man won't risk innocence second... Uh, that's why yeah, Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's better webs person. are monomolecular bonding. They will absolutely stick to Batman's armor. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. not. I mean, Batman I guess, would I guess... probably be written to have some sort of adhesive dissolver, but they would definitely stick. Some kind of bat. Yeah, he's he's got Spider-Man his carousel reverse. It's right next to his carousel reversal spray. <laughs> yeah. No. It... I feel like if Batman had enough time to prepare, he could probably, like, I don't know, invent some body armor that's not able to stick to Spider-Man's webs or something. Yeah, but if Batman had time to prepare, he could build a signal that just fired his spider sense all the time, so he passes out with a migraine. Like, there's no... <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, it's it's Batman literally has powers as the plot demands, because he can, you know, just break out a kryptonite armor like kryptonite powered armor or whatever you know also i guess also worth mentioning uh which which uh spider-man that we actually talk about here are we talking about peter parker miles morales uh fucking miguel o'hara which spider-man actually yeah because like that's is it lightning spider-man vampire spider-man vanilla spider-man with spider-man okay there's there's so many but like circa 2015 or so peter is a reed richards level super genius he could seriously just also make a that, device yeah. that would knock out <laughs> yeah. all Batmans. <laughs> I basically at some point basically accumula- it basically just keeps uh, escalating like it's like oh I have my infinity sword that cuts through anything well I've got the shield that stops the plus one sword that cuts through anything whatever <laughs> just keeps going like that within you too. Sorry. Batman has one huge advantage over Spider-Man and that's money. <laughs> He's got <laughs> money. <laughs> Spider-Man's poor as shit Rude. and always has been. <laughs> Imagining Spider-Man being like, come on, man, that's not fair. You know I'm poor all the time. <laughs> Unless he's got, like, Sto- like Tony Stark backing him, you know. Well, I mean, like, circa 2017 or so, he became the CEO of Parker Industries, the most wealthy uh, tech industry in the world, so... <laughs> okay, yeah, but that's not real Spider-Man. <laughs> Real Spider-Man has to be poor so I can relate to him. Yeah, he's gotta be a schlub so this way he's of the people. Okay, well, circa 2014 or so, he worked at Horizon Labs and had an unlimited materials budget because he was making sci-fi nonsense toys. <laughs> yeah, but that's also that's also not every continuity. Like, 2018 uh, Insomniac Spider-Man is also broke as shit. 
literally, he literally gets a victim from his apartment and has to locate his bullshit because there's a spider drive in there as part of like an early plot line. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's pure Spider-Man, but also that's because like straight up his options are work the poor job or work the rich job, and he chooses the poor one. <laughs> True, yeah, he does actually choose to stick with Otto, even though Otto's like, I can't pay you. <laughs> and he's like, that's fine. <laughs> He, this, child, this, defi- this definitely will not become a problem later on in this whole game. <laughs> yep. No, I'm definitely not gonna be uh, the main villain of this game at all. Yeah, ever. definitely not. Yeah, definitely matter, don't like... don't pay any attention to the fact that he's constantly like uh, bathed in shadow and stuff, and also making murder arms. Listen, if you're a superhero and you like take a job with a guy named Doctor Otto Octavius. And he's making big murder arms. Uh, then maybe you should like be a little but, bit genre savvy. In but see, like maybe maybe Peter overlooks the uh, the literative name because he also has an alliterative name because he's Peter no, Parker. No, it's it's less it's less about the alliteration and more about the just kind of super villain tone. You know, <laughs> Peter Parker is a hero name. Otto Octavius is a villain name. You can tell That's because of the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's like the he wasn't making giant murder arms. He was making cheap, scientifically advanced prosthetics so people yeah, could have then, their limbs but back. But then they became murder arms that he attaches to a brain yeah. ship no, in, it's his, fair. in his it's, cranium. That's fair. He was making prosthetics. At the beginning of the game, it was very humanitarian. And it yeah. wasn't really until the literal supercomputer started taking over his brain that uh, he actually became a villain. So it was really like... I mean, it was not, also it's, it's not... it was really also mostly just against Osborn. <laughs> also, it wasn't yeah, even like... Yeah, he was like, pissed at Osborn. It, yeah, it wasn't like just like fully malicious, just being like, I'm gonna be a dick to be a dick. And it's like, no, Osborn fucked me over. No, there was, like, there was reasons for it. I'm, we're, yeah. I'm exaggerating for comedic effects, but we should go ahead and continue this. Yeah, also we've talked about, about Spider- so we talked about Batman vs. Spider-Man more than actually the book so far. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> uh. Okay. One second. Um. Okay. So. Yes. Uh. Now that they're all here together, they just kind of um, throw around playful jabs. Marco makes a joke about how every time he sees Rachel, she's taller, and he wishes she would stop growing because he's already shorter than her, and it hurts his ego. Um. <laughs> and then uh, Jake kind of drops immediately into business mode and starts talking about how uh, a weird story about a couple of guys at school attacked by rats and Cassie tries to play it off and pretend that that wasn't her and she hasn't heard about it but she has a tell when she's lying and she knows she has a tell so she's desperately trying to cover it but uh, it doesn't seem like it's going very well. Um, They don't actually know what they're here for though because Tobias asked them to get together so they're just kind of waiting for him. And conveniently enough, this is right when he shows up. Um, Rachel kind of mentions that she thought he was going to come over last night, and he had plans to, but uh, actually there's a... He, he, he ran into a thing with Axe, and Axe isn't going to be here today because of the thing they ran into, and um, yeah, just wondering as he swoops down, he's there's a description of all the animals who are here again which are a totally different group of animals that were here last time we got this description, so that's nice. At least they keep a pretty rotating um, group in here. And um, 
The thing is, is that he's here to report that someone is about to start logging in the forest. Which, you know, I, I mean, that's a thing that happens in forests. But Cassie's very upset about this because... Apparently she knows exactly where this is going to happen, and old growth trees are going to be chopped down, and she's very upset about this. But uh, the reason that they're really concerned about this is that the people doing it, this logging company, they built a little command center in the forest, and that command center is protected by a force field. And also there are people with guns walking the perimeter of the building. <laughs> automatic rifles, specifically. So... They probably are yerks is the thing because force field so the idea they think is that um the yerks have built this logging operation so they can cut down the forest to get rid of the endolites so um this will bring us to chapter four which um i've titled the leader of the pack uh, essentially what they did break choose, down here you, is sorry sorry did you choose song titles for all of your chapter titles uh, possibly? I don't <laughs> think so. Maybe. Okay. I only did that with one of my chapters. <laughs> I definitely did not do that with any. <laughs> it's, just, it's just fun. It's fun to have a theme, you know? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so yeah, the, the idea that they have here is that the, the Yerks figure that they are Andalites, right? So if they're Andalites, they're probably out in the woods because Andalites love to live in the woods and not in cities. So they're just going to chop down the woods and then the Andalites won't have a habitat anymore. It's weaponized extinction. <laughs> I feel like the assumption that the Andalites would not have apartments is a little bit much. I mean, if they were like full adult Andalites, like a trained platoon... I feel like they could infiltrate and get apartments if they needed to. But then there would be Andalites in apartments, and that wouldn't be very good. So they yeah. would need, like, somewhere to run around. So that's fair. You know, they need, like, feeding space. <laughs> yeah, it would be tricky on account of, like, most apartments don't have yards. <laughs> yards or, like, you know, also if you're, like, feeding in a yard as an Andalite, that's a problem. That's not yep. really something that... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the you few times hide. living in Pennsylvania where I had to like walk out to my car and they look up because I'm distracted and there's just like three deer on the lawn just like hanging out just be like sup what's up <laughs> kind of deal except like you do that and it's just a blue scorpion deer just being like oh hello. <laughs> it happens on it happens on Staten Island too apparently which like I I never went to Staten Island when I lived in New York so I don't know. I don't think anyone ever goes to Staten Island. To no, to I don't think I don't. I can't say I ever. I don't think I ever did. And I grew up on Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stat Staten Island is. Uh, it's, I've been to Fire Island a few times, but not Staten. From what I can tell, Staten Island is basically New Jersey. So. I mean, and that is the joke recurring throughout all of the Unsleeping City, <laughs> with uh. <laughs> Uh, Sophia being like, well, I live on Staten Island. It's like, okay, see you later. Bye. I'm not going to continue. <laughs> oh, our, our monastery is somewhere distant and difficult to reach. Oh, I live in Staten Island. Oh, that's where we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, uh, Jackson, like, the only fucking person in the world that also goes to Staten Island besides yeah. Sophia. <laughs> I, and when I go back, I'm going to go to Staten Island just to say, like, okay, I've been there. I can say... It's got good pizza or whatever. I don't know, you know? I want to uh, find something good about Staten Island, but I can say something good about it. 
Imagining you being there with, like, the penguins of Madagascar getting to the North Pole and being like, well, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I also need to go to the Bronx. But, you know. They have a good zoo there, right here. Anyway, let's continue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with this idea laid out, the plan is for the Animorphs to go in and they're going to be birds and they're just going to take a look and see what they can find. Uh, Jake splits them up with little groups. He's going to go with Rachel, and um, Rach, Cassie is going to go with Marco, which Cassie wants to go with Rachel, but uh, he specifically separated them because he knows about the rat thing. He's just not saying it. So, <laughs> Teacher's angry, and this is your punishment. You don't get to hang out with your friends. You gotta, you gotta have a different uh, science partner for today. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um... Yeah, and then we get a little bit of a description of the, the forest and Cassie's farm. As Cassie wonders about how the Yerks possibly got permission to log in a national forest, which shouldn't be a thing, but uh, she talks about how the forest reaches all the way back to the mountains, just millions of square miles of pine and oak, and the farm is right on the edge, and she mentions that a lot of farms are, so they're not unique in this way. And um, in the distance, the mountains are pink and lavender. It's just a really beautiful, beautiful setting that we haven't gotten from her farm yet. And yeah, uh, even she mentions that it's such a safe area, they let the horses run free at night. So I guess there's not even mountain lions or wolves in these woods, <laughs> despite being huge and wild. Um, heck if I know. But yes, um, so they all get together and there's a brief conversation about how like weird it is to morph and <laughs> even though they've been doing this for a while now it's still pretty strange for all of them and brings up again that like Axe talks about how she has some kind of special talent and Marco's just repeating this to her and Cassie says that that doesn't make it less weird like they're still freaky as heck but uh they decide to go wolves because they're they need to get to the location where this um this, this logging cabin is, so they're going to be wolves first, and then eventually they're going to stop and be birds instead, so they can get the eye the eye in the sky view. Okay. And, uh... I just did a little bit of research, but I do want to point out, and this might be incredibly boring to people who aren't nerds like me, but... So, you can log in a national forest if it is under the purview of the uh, National Forest Service, which is a subsidiary of the United States Department of Agriculture, which is a part of the Department of the Interior. Department of Parks and Wildlife maintains national parks, which you can't log in. National forests are different. So, <laughs> they could, because, like, the Department of the Interior oversees forests that are supposed to be used for, like, logging and resources, but also maintains them so they're sustainable. And the Department of Parks and Wildlife maintains, like, national parks which you can't log in so they're like you can go camping and hiking in either one but like one is open to it's complicated point is this is something that is reasonable like it could happen it's just <laughs> you know it, it 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 has to do with a lot of complicated federal government stuff now but what was that standing standard operating procedure back in the mid 90s yes uh i mean okay. this stuff was this stuff was like started in like most of these uh, government agencies, these departments, were started by by Franklin Roosevelt. No, oh, by, or okay. the, the, Theodore Roosevelt. Sorry, um, like early twentieth century. So, you know, it's it's this is a long standing thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm just just chiming in with the with the uh, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what that was. <laughs> with the with the nerd <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Important setting information. I appreciate exactly. it. We needed so, the lore dump. Well, so what we what we can learn from this is that the forest that's near them is not under the purview of the Department of the Interior. Uh, sorry, the Department of, of Parks and Wildlife. It's the, under the purview of the Department of the Interior, specifically the Department, the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture and Forest Service. <laughs> but yes, um, so they morph into wolves, and of course, there's a little bit of. Morphing weird here, but mostly it's just Cassie talking about how incredible wolf senses are, uh, how just amazing they can hear, but how the hearing is just nothing compared to the sense of smell. She talks about all the things she can smell, and um, one of the things that uh, I'm just going to... Oh, wait, it smelled sorry. things that were... Uh, I was wrong. Department of Interior and the U.S. Department of the Forest <laughs> Service are separate, but it could be either one. So let's just move on. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Minor inaccuracy I had to correct before I got people in the Twitter, like, on, on the Twitter that I don't, that I'm not a part of. <laughs> before y'all uh, got tweets. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I, I realize every time that I've been like, uh, chime in if your opinions, listeners, and meanwhile, it's like, wait, no shit, I'm the one that runs all the social media yeah. talk. I gotta do <laughs> <Yeah>. that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, nobody has access to the co-host. I don't think they use it, though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I do have access to the co-host. I don't have access to the Twitter, despite having the password and all, because it just won't let me in for some reason. <laughs> Still dumb, even though we had to like completely remake it from the ground up, because Twitter in 2023 is a fucking tire fire, and yet for some reason only I still have access. I'll have to mm -hmm. go back and see if the Yerks from Tobias, the the controller from Tobias's books, were masquerading as Forest Service Rangers or Park Rangers or what, like what they were specifically I, I masquerading think, as. I think he said park rangers. Okay, that well then that doesn't thought. make any sense. <laughs> ha. Unless there's like another, unless like this is a different, unless the park is up there and then this is like a national forest and not a national um, park. Let's see. To my left I spotted a pair of helicopters. They zipped just inches above the trees. They began to circle the lake. These also had park services markings. Park so, yeah, they services. Were park okay, so they were park rangers, but this apparently is is, diff is a different forest, or at least different <laughs> for the government, I guess. <laughs> I think uh, it's just more likely that Kay Applegate okay, got them mixed up, just like how she thought birds had dark vision. <laughs> and then was like, oh... That's the boring answer, okay? Yeah, true. We are at, like almost an hour in. Let's keep going. Yeah, we're an hour in, and only a third of way through the book that we have so far. Yeah. Um, well, we're almost done here. We're just talking about everything Cassie can smell. There's one brief mention of the things that Cassie can smell that are. It smelled things that were three days old. The human who had walked through these woods days before. What's that about? Who's walking through the woods next to Cassie's property? Give me more information. But uh, <laughs> it probably doesn't matter. It's probably just a throwaway. And uh, then she realizes that she can smell an andalite. So with all that together, sure, her head is just exploding and uh, they take off into the woods. And that's all I got. I was about to okay. say, it could have just been her dad that she was smelling, but she does recognize Axe's scent, so maybe she... She recognizes her own scent as a human. So. Yeah, yeah, true. And then when I said Axe's scent, I was, my brain immediately went to Axe body spray. <laughs> well, naturally. But it makes it smell like an Andalite. <laughs> hey, Vivian. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, Vivian. Yeah? Hey, hey, Vivian. What'd you call Chapter 5? 
Uh, I called Chapter 5 uh, acts as a fan-modded version of HM01. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm sure someone does. Because in a lot of Pokemon fan games, Cut will be either grass or steel, and he wouldn't be able to cut through this fucking net with a normal attack, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> cut steel in some games? Yeah, some people make- because it's like sword. But usually usually I find it to be more often that grass. normal. Well, it is normal, but in the fan in fan games, people make a Pokemon. Sometimes they make it grass or steel because oh. they're cutting because you're cutting trees. So it's like, well, it makes sense to be either grass or steel in that case. I've never played a fan Pokemon game, so I don't know. Fair, yeah. Some of them are a little hit or miss, but that's what I was going for with this. Uh, I didn't, aka, I could not think of a fucking name for this chapter otherwise. <laughs> I would play one if the region was based on Texas, because I think that Texas is like a good region for a Pokemon game. Uh, the... Oh boy. <laughs> Anyway. I, I think I, I think it would be hilarious how like Nintendo would would handle Texas as a region for the, Pokemon. It would be so stereotypical, and we would all be into it. Every battle has constant harsh sunlight. Constant harsh sunlight. Every every other trainer is a cowboy or a football player. Uh, uh, it's just a bunch of like sand trues all around because of all the wastelands. Yeah, anyway. it'd be like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, case, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's in all wastelands, just in West Texas. True. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. In any case, uh, we should continue on this. Uh, basically, mm -hmm. Chapter 5, uh, Cassie and Marco basically are just having run, fun, running, ah, fun running through the forest as wolves, and they eventually just come across the lion camp. I kind of just skipped over a lot of their nonsense going along before they get there. Mm -hmm. uh, Tobias and Jay call down to them from above since they won't be able to basically see much soon anyway due to it being sunset, so Cassie and Marco will have to do it as wolves close by. For some reason here, Cassie mentions that she sees three birds up there, but only acknowledges Jake and Tobias, so I guess Rachel is getting forgotten by her bestie. She does not mention Rachel, even though Rachel more to do a bird to go with the others. <laughs> even though she sees three dots of birds up there. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, weird. Uh, they creep up towards the compound and see that the, the Yurks had basically raised the earth within a hundred foot radius of the building with spotlights everywhere and about a dozen construction vehicles about. There's also just a bunch of, like, uh, well, as we'll see, like, Dracon beams, like, built onto the top of this building just for them to be able to fire around. I thought Dracon beams are handheld, though. Why do they have to have, like, encampments for them? You can have, like, different versions of the same laser, like, I sure, guess. normally I, I guess they're handheld, but this is the artillery. Yeah, version. I guess it's just because, like, they always just call them Dracon beams and not, like, you know, heavy artillery Dracon beams or, like, heavy assault be beams or something. Like, they don't have a different name or terminology for them besides just Dracon beam. That's why I was like thinking. It's like how a phaser can be a hand phaser or a phaser rifle or a ship phaser. It's all the same thing. Eh, I guess. Like, blasters in Star Wars being, like, sometimes just pistols and other times laser guns. Or how, in real life, guns are basically just different versions of big tube go-boom, shoot piece True. of metal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, people just use gun for the shorthand of it, as yep. opposed to, like, even just, like, firearm. And it's like, yeah. well, it's still the thing that does the thing, which is murder. Don't don't matter if it's a little Derringer pistol or a big ship cannon. Basically does the same thing. Yep, it's yep. gun. <laughs> Okay, but uh, yeah, they see uh, guards nearby that are all hyper alert and uh, uh, just keeping an eye on things, and Cassie does suggest that, hey, maybe these guys aren't actually Yurks, but Marco then kills her theory immediately by pointing out the force field, which, uh, unless humanity has advanced because of Axe's uh, bullshit with the telescope last time, they don't have force fields. <laughs> uh, they both then detect uh, by just like hearing somebody circling behind them, 
And at that point, uh, a bunch of spotlights all shine on them, and uh, some weighted nuts fall down from above in the trees. Cassie manages to avoid them, but Marco gets trapped under one, so she has to double back to try and help him lift uh, the net as the guards basically shoot them all with Dracon beans, but all these guards went to Stormtrooper U, so they miss a stationary wolf trying to lift the net <laughs> that's too heavy for it. <laughs> Good job to these guys. Uh, yeah. You would think that Yurks controlling these bodies at least have some proficiency with firearms in some regard, but apparently no. They're still like being like, shit, I'm, I'm really good at shooting a gun, but uh, this human body that I'm controlling is just so bad at it. Can, can I ask you where, if not in the human body, Yurks would get practice shooting guns? In, in different bodies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I get... Like, a Ged would probably be very bad at that. Uh, Horkajir oh, may be better, but, like, if if a human is their first host, they're not gonna get, like, they're gonna have to train in the human body. I guess. Maybe, 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 all, maybe all these Zerks had different human bodies. Like, they had Zerks, like, cops and soldiers and stuff, and they're like, wow, this guy really knows how to shoot a gun, but then they got demoted into these guys, and they're like, ah, this if, fucking body doesn't know shit. If, if uh. a Yurk infests a cop and is real good at shooting guns, but then leaves the cop and then gets in another human do they carry that talent with them or are they bad at shooting guns now well i think they're bad at shooting guns now because they might know the theory but they wouldn't have the muscle memory so yeah, yeah. And, and also again like it, it does depend also on like the like the muscle mass of the host right to be able to actually hold mm -hmm. the gun and aim it properly yeah well that depends on the gun like yeah i guess like drake on being probably gun, not you but, don't have to yeah but a lot of these guys have assault rifles and those are heavy and have kickback mm. to them yeah in any case uh the net's just too heavy for cassie to properly lifts and she sees guards advancing on them with rifles rather than actually doing the smart thing and hanging back they're just putting themselves in line the fire of a wolf but then Axe shows up to help them by cutting the net open for Marco to escape and all three of them mentally scream their heads off as they flee <laughs> Boy, I hope those guys are Yurks, because otherwise they just got a good Eiffel of Andalite. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird, but... Eh. Well, they're shooting Dracon beams, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, some of those assault rifles, but most had Dracon beams, so I feel like, uh, unless they stole them, you know, from Yurk, and were like, oh, cool, laser gun, eh. Don't know why this thing exists, but sure. <laughs> and then, I like, mean, many arms like oh, fucking alien deer. Off. They could have found one lying around somewhere. <laughs> True. Yeah, uh, man. X X really just has a thing for hands, huh? <laughs> You'd think he'd be trying to cut people's lips off because he's so fascinated with mouths, but no, it's the hands that he goes for all the time. <laughs> well, you see, hands can hold weapons, mouths can't. True. Well, that depends on if you're Zoro One Piece. Yeah, yeah, Zoro One Piece, and also mouths can be used to scream for backup. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Well, well, Axe has never had to fight whoever that is. Uh. He's he's the he's I know Zoro at least because he's the guy that holds two swords and also has a third sword in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the extent of my knowledge of One Piece. Besides, uh, Nami's boobs always increasing every season. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, uh, chapter six, uh, which I've called the tiny problem. Uh, it cuts to basically, like, right after that, uh, where they thank Axe for his help, and he just feels bad for not noticing the rudimentary nets when he first spotted the compound, since they were the least advanced things there compared to the force field and the laser guns, so he just overlooked them. 
We get the obligatory, here's where the Andalites are, descriptor of Axe, and the kids conclude that this is absolutely York operation since they were fully ready for them. They mentioned that, not the laser guns, <laughs> or not freaking out about an Andalite, so sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, where did I leave off? Uh, yeah, Jake points out, uh, that while their assumption that they're dealing with six Andalites is wrong, they are at least partially correct since Axe and Tobias do live in the forest, as well as how often they are in the woods for whatever world-saving reason that they have each week. <laughs> uh, Cassie then brings up how the forest is important even if they aren't, you know, even if the kids weren't using it frequently, which gets Marco acting like nature isn't that important to worry about, so please Marco stop being a dick, I was starting to like you as a, uh, as a character recently, please don't regress. <laughs> hey Marco, what was, what's the place you get all your cool powers from, huh? Where do you get all the animals that you acquire and use to fight the Yurks from, huh? Well, he got the gorilla from the zoo. He got the gorilla from the zoo, not yeah, from the Yeah, but where do gorillas originally come from? <laughs> they don't come from zoos. The zoos get them from somewhere. They come from jungles, not forests, usually. Yeah, it's true that a gorilla probably would not be in the national forest. <laughs> but in California. I'm talking about nature as a whole. You know, oh, yeah. it's not like, <laughs> oh, we only have to protect jungles. And also, we're going to see Marco's opinions on jungles later, so don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, I just didn't like this bit with him just being like, who cares about nature? Fuck that. Humanity first. And it's like, no, you got to care about the planet as a whole, my guy. Uh, but yeah. Jake brings up that it really doesn't matter that they have different opinions on this, and that what matters regardless of stopping the forest operation. So they have a think on it and rule out using the heavy equipment that is at the building to try to bulldoze into the building, since Axe mentions that the force field would prevent it, that stuff from even entering the force field regardless. And also, they wouldn't really be able to reach the building anyway before they just got blasted, so they cannot try and blow up the building as Rachel suggests, because Rachel, of course, just wants to blow shit up. <laughs> Cassie brings up the good point of how the Yorks even got permission to start logging in the National Forest because they don't fully control the government, uh, but as we uh, found out via Kate, uh, they actually could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so whatever. They don't know that they're kids. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, because of this, they think that the Yorks have, have gone through legal channels because otherwise they'd be getting a bunch of shit from like the news and stuff if they were just logging in the forest. And they deduce that they have to figure out who the Yurks got to enable to, to enable this operation, so Cassie gets a really bad idea that deeply upsets her, which is to get really small and try to bypass the shield a different way. Which, of course, it's gonna lead the bugs again. Because <laughs> they love just doing bug morphs even when they hate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chapter 7, which I at least have pretty shortly, which I've called I've Never Used That Car Feature. <laughs> Uh, has Cassie returned home a little bit later than usual, and her dad was looking for her, because they got a call about an injured skunk on the side of the highway. Cassie's dad basically had a terrible experience of being sprayed by a skunk six times in the face. <laughs> full blasted, full clip of it right in the face. Uh, so he refuses to handle them at all, and instead forces his daughter to do so, so good job, you actual vet. <laughs> Having one bad experience just make you say fuck this animal in particular forever. <laughs> Uh, and also, apparently, he was forced to sleep in the barn for a week, uh, but this until the smell wore off. But this upset the animals in the barn, so he had to sleep in the tent in the yard instead, and they had to burn the tent to get rid of the smell. <laughs> that to be fair, it does seem like a really sorry. To be fair, it does seem like a really bad experience. Also, yeah, yeah they, fair. They, they mention a cure for skunk smell being tomato juice, but uh, isn't the case, right? It's, yeah, no, it's a, it's a myth. It doesn't help. Yeah, all it does I, is cover up the smell. Yeah, I was like pretty well, sure that was the thing. 
The other thing is, though, is that skunks can't fire like that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> skunks don't have a fucking, like, pistol's worth of ammunition to just blast repeatedly at somebody in the face. <laughs> skunks like, get it, one it, shot, and then it takes them two weeks to recharge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, skunks have a, like, uh, a long cooldown period. They have to build up their ult meter again. They don't, yeah, you can't just keep using it over and over. <laughs> It's not a Q. It's not a fucking uh, Q ability. <laughs> but yeah, in any case, uh, <laughs> Cassie's mom also refuses to handle skunks, which just amuses Cassie that her two trained vet parents are a bit pathetic in this regard. <laughs> Basically, just saying, uh, we'll make our kid do it. Uh, so she gets dragged along in the new truck because, if we'll remember, uh, she, Jake, and Marco got her dad's old truck totaled back in the first Megawars book. Oh seven is to the no, to the truck. <laughs> Uh, her dad apparently also hates his new truck, except for the CD player in it, which is the feature I mentioned, because I've never actually- my car has a CD player because it's from 2010, I've never used it. Uh, and they basically, uh, go and arrive at where the skunk was sighted, and eventually, after, like, 20 minutes, they find it. Cassie's dad really? goes to get the- hmm? I was gonna say, there was a very brief period in history where CD players were useful. Yeah. And then, like, basically, uh, ever since I got my current car that has one, mm -hmm. uh, pretty much not, because smartphones were a thing. <laughs> it was like, they created cassettes, and then they had CD players, and then they had, like, anything that had that played an MP3. So as soon as iPods were created, CD players, boom. Yeah. No longer, <laughs> no longer useful. They were done. <laughs> pretty much. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cassie's dad goes to get the cage for this guy because he's gotten getting nowhere near this thing. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Cassie, while he, uh, he's gone, is trying to soothe the skunk so that it doesn't try and aim its ass at her. <laughs> she tries to offer it a bit of mouse meat, which is a bit amusing given her earlier rat issues, and even though the skunk isn't hungry, it does basically convince it that she's not a threat. It's Cassie. A circle of life, <laughs> and it moves us all. I'm no, we're not. gonna get sued by Disney. <laughs> 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 I mean, we haven't gotten into trouble for using the whole Owl House theme, so maybe they don't give a shit. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Cassie then notices that the, every time I say Cassie in these books, I want to say Cassie, and I don't know why. <laughs> Cassie uh, notices that the burn mark on the skunk's back looks like basically somebody scooped a bit of it out, and at that point. She realizes that the skunk must have been caught in the crossfire of the Dracon beans from earlier, like an hour ago. Uh, she's just pissed about how the Yurks will destroy everything in the forest to get rid of the kids, including innocent animals, and she apologizes <laughs> to the skunk and carries it off to her dad. Mm -hmm. Kind of a really short chapter that's just in there in the middle of everything else. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my final chapter, which I, it's chapter 8, which I called For the Colony! That's a Bugs Life thing, I think. Was it Bugs Life or Ants? I forget. Somebody said somebody definitely said that one of those two. I forget. They're they're basically the same movie in my mind. Are you mind, talking about Inferno? Sorry. Are you talking about Inferno for Beast Wars? No. I, I it's either Flick or like Z, I think the main guy from Ants who shouts for the colony at some point near the end of the finale. I think it I think it must be Bugs Life because I think that's when they're attacking the grasshoppers. <laughs> Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought of that, and then it's like me immediately going like, wait, which fucking Ant movie was that? They both released like within a year of each other because they're basically the same movie to be in this, at this point. Any case, uh, that's what I called it. Uh, th we basically got to Saturday at the mall where the kids are keeping up the masquerade as to not draw attention to them, always hanging out and looking configuratorially. 
they basically just have to keep up this appearance that they're not a big group and just always caught talking about stuff in hushed voices. Cassie basically gives us an overview of what everybody else does to maintain this, which is like Rachel's gymnastics, Jake and Marco playing basketball or video games, and also there's really nothing they could do to make Tobias seem normal because of his bird issue, but also no one in his family seemingly gave a damn that he just disappeared, so whatever. That's which, uh, every, which I like to... I mentioned it every time they have to explain this, but that's yeah. real sad. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's never ca- not sad. It, no, it's kind of like casually dropped. And also like the way Cassie phrases this, I have to question whether or not Jake and Tobias told everybody else what they did to cover for him. Mm-hmm. Because like she's she kind of phrases it as like, oh yeah, for some reason they just didn't notice. And it's like, did they not tell the others that they left a note saying he was going to stay with his aunt while also giving the aunt a message saying he was staying with the uncle or something? I don't know. Even then, the fact that that's all they did... Yeah, and it was fine, yeah. Yeah. They, did, they, they tried their one idea, like, the first thing that popped into their heads is like, well, let's just tell everybody else that I'm near at this other place, yeah. and, like, nobody ever questioned it. It's like, yeah, uh, no one questions that's... it, they don't talk to each other, they yep. don't fucking give a shit about Tobias, it's so yeah, sad. that's depressing. <laughs> Yeah, plus, like, remember Tobias's other aunt lives on the East Coast, and the uncle apparently never questioned how he got from Pasadena to Massachusetts or wherever. Yeah, yeah. also that, like, him just being like, well, I guess that kid's, like, hitchhiking or whatever, and he's not money, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Not my problem that, anymore. Yeah, it's, it's... It's it's also sad because there's actually kids like this who exist, yeah. but it also kind of puts into perspective why Tobias was so gung ho to go in for this whole thing because it's like, oh wow, finally something in my life <laughs> that actually has like some kind of emotional resonance or matters. <laughs> yep, yay! Wow, a chance to die in a blaze of glory instead of fizzling out <laughs> <laughs> into obscurity and falling between the cracks of the uh, welfare system. Yep. Tobias to, to being like, better to die than to get my head dunked in the toilet every week. <laughs> yep. But better to die gloriously than be embarrassed all the fucking time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at any rate, uh, basically Cassie's just here with Rachel clothes shopping to look as normal as possible, and the two of them talk a bit about how they're considering an insect morph again, but they both absolutely refuse to do the ants again, after how they almost got torn apart and suffocated in the dirt, because that was fun. <laughs> Yay, PTSD for the kids. <laughs> uh, they then conveniently, they then air quotes conveniently run into Jake, Marco, and if we all remember our best boy Philip from the last book, uh, at the food court, where, uh, the latter has already demolished a plate of nachos that they had bought, but at least he's made progress and didn't eat the plate this time. <laughs> uh, Philip says that the nachos reminded him of some delicious engine oil he ate once, so Jake tells him that he should add that to the list of do not eat things. <laughs> and it's just amusing how he's like, yeah, there are many rules about eating. <laughs> uh, yeah, you yeah. know, because there's lots of stuff that's toxic. Poisonous. Yeah. Which again, like, it's one of those things I have to question of, like, when he morphs back into Andalite, does that food just disappear from his stomach, or is he still having to process that stuff? Because he's well, eaten a lot of actual trash at this there's point. A, there's a point in in the last book where he talks about, like, where Cassie invites him in to eat, and he says, like, he would be morphing human and then going in there, and then Cassie says, yeah. Sorry, and, 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 sorry Cassie invites him in, and then he says, I already ate, which implies that it transfers eating over, right? Counts. It yeah. transfers over. 
Because like, because that was him having eaten as an Andalite, so it's like it would, that implication is that it would transfer over to the human morph, so therefore it would also work the other way around from a morph back to your base form, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, how come Axe hasn't died by this point with eating actual trash like cigarette butts and engine oil, <laughs> or at least well, been violently think... ill? <laughs> the thing is, is that, and we haven't gone into the details of this, of course, but morphing also cleanses your body of poisons. So, oh, right, because, yeah. Yes, the food is still in his system, but whatever he's processed that's already poisoning him gets pro- like morphed out. And then presumably if he starts getting sick, he can just morph again and be fine. And just keep that up until whatever it is has passed through. But also, um, it's just kind of bad for your cover to eat engine oil. Yeah, you know, yeah. How did he get his hands on engine oil? (laughs) Is another question. (laughs) Yeah, without Jake noticing also. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I guess, I mean, he must have been in, like, human morph as they were going along and, like, at some point, they pass by like a car, de- like a car repair shop or saw that, and Axe got just... distracted by that. And then they were like, "Oh, where did where Axe go?" And then he just like happens to just like be right next to them. And it's like, "I didn't go anywhere. Nope, definitely Axe not." In, Axe face. in the back, so Axe <laughs> in the background, just chugging and <laughs> The uh... other possibility is because they basically just leave him alone in the woods all the time. He might just be morphing human and like breaking into people's <laughs> houses to eat their food. <laughs> There's gonna be like a uh, book forty. It's like the kids are gonna finally notice there's been a uh, uh, like a surge in break-ins in the neighborhood from one person that nobody ever is able to find who <laughs> just keeps taking like the weirdest shit of like, well, uh, it's, uh, yeah, we didn't have anything taken except weirdly like our like fucking dish detergent and like uh, I can't do the laundry now because uh, that also went missing. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Axe eating I, those, those forbidden no, gushers. Nobody, nobody, yeah, <laughs> nobody took my fucking Super Nintendo, but they instead took my uh, freaking detergent for my laundry. Weird. <laughs> I guess their need was more than mine. <laughs> and then it's like, again, like they eventually like go to the woods and just see like Axe's hideout where he just has like a bunch of empty bottles of this bullshit, and he's just there dying. Axe <laughs> like, eating iPods like it's 2019. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> uh, okay, well. Yeah, at, at this point, they all just drop the loud facade of just being kids and get down to business finally. Uh, Tobias apparently had scouted out uh, the compound and noticed that the controllers have transponders that let them through the force field, but uh, Philip says that they're coded to bio, uh, biochemical. Why am I doing. Why am I stumbling over that word? Biochemical signatures of the wearer so they cannot just steal one. Like, it's actually coded to them themselves, so it's not like they can just yoink one and then pass by. Uh, <laughs> but Tobias also had noticed uh, tiny holes in the building's foundation, which are the work of termites. And, of course, they all start getting nervous, especially Cassie, because of how close termites are to ants. But Jake says, don't worry, guys, I looked at the internet. I, I know they're not as vicious as ants, and also, they're they're good. They're, they're not as bad. Uh, and also, we can make sure the morph a bug from the colony to blend in with them. That's right. I checked one of the four websites that currently exist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, Jake being like, "Okay, guys, I did a lot of research. I played Sim Ant. Uh, ants are bad. We know that from this. Uh, they haven't released Sim Termite though yet, so we're gonna have to wait a bit until they do that." <laughs> I loaded up my dad's CD-ROM copy of Encarta, the digital encyclopedia, <laughs> and. <laughs> 
like them being like, okay, we need to understand how city infrastructure works, so we're gonna spend the weekend all playing SimCity. <laughs> we're gonna figure this out. Oh, uh, well, aliens arrived, so I guess that's accurate. <laughs> hmm, well, there you go. Alright, in any case. <laughs> Marco rightfully asked how they'd even get a termite, but turns out Tobias noticed some additional Dracon beans being set up on the roof that required them to use some nearby logs. And then Jake pulls out a vial from his pocket that contained the termite from the building's colony, since they just, I guess, went around to one of those trees nearby that they were using and just grabbed one. He takes the quark out, but says uh, that they won't do this unless everybody agrees, which they all resign themselves to carrying out this plan, even though it really creeps them out and they have trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all of mine. <laughs> Alright, chapter 9 is called The Worst Part is the Waiting. Um, this is a pretty slow one. Uh, they go home, and they're supposed to use the afternoon to do chores and family stuff and homework and just kind of maintain their cover. Um, so Cassie's dad asks if uh, she's finished her homework. She's She's been trying to, but it's difficult to concentrate when you're thinking about death uh, and the possibility of dying as a bug. Um... And has also had uh, some traumatic experiences in the past when it comes to that kind of thing. So, he mentions that he's taken a closer look at the skunk. Uh, she's agitated, so he had to give her a sedative. Um, and it seems like the um, the burn was weird, because it's like too neat, too clean. Um, he doesn't really know what caused it. Of course, it was a Dracon beam, as we know. But uh, it at least it was so hot it cauterized the tissue. Most of the damage is superficial. There's some damage on the on the um, uh, on the shoulder, but should it should recover. the The bigger issue is her kits. Um, so Cassie's suddenly now aware that the skunk has babies somewhere out there, uh, and that they are gonna be, you know, they're probably too young to survive on their own. Uh, her dad says that he's not sure about that, but it, he's not looking at her, and it seems like he's probably lying about that. Um, so, Cassie gets to business uh, while she's assisting her dad with taking care of the animals, and, and, and says um, that he, she asks him if, if uh, she can spend the night at Rachel, which is, of course going to be her cover for for going out and um and uh uh you know helping with this sort of raid on this logging camp um he says that it's fine uh but he also says that they got some additional funding from the cat food people that he went to talk to earlier which were one of the reasons that he couldn't smell like skunk um (laughs) (laughs) uh he talked they uh they talked for a while uh they made the round they make the rounds uh but her heart just isn't in it. She's thinking about the baby skunks. She's also thinking about uh, this sort of situation that she has to face that night, where she's going to be facing death underground with no light. Uh, And that night, she has dreams, flashbacks, really, to her time in the ant tunnels. And even though she couldn't see anything at the time, she can in her dreams. Um, The imagination is a double-edged sword. And so... Now she also sees the skunk kids. She sees them crying out for a mother who will never come. Uh, and her dad wakes her up. Uh, she has been, you know, having a nightmare. She's almost been crying. Um, 
And, uh... Actually, I'm confused. Was she asleep here? I don't think she was asleep here. I don't here. think, I think she's, she's asleep. Just, no, she's just having she's a just panic attack. She's just straight up having a panic attack. Yeah. No. No, because that doesn't make any sense, because she's, she's, she's doing rounds right now. She's not, she's not asleep. Sorry, I kind of sped through this chapter a little bit. But, um... Yeah, no, she just straight up starts having a panic panic attack during rounds. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. her dad asks, asks if she's okay. And um, she uh, she sort of lies and says that she's fine. She finishes and she leaves. Uh, it should be very, very obvious she's not okay. And if I were her dad, I'd follow up on that. But, uh, you know, that doesn't happen. Uh, she opens the cage door. Uh, after after he finishes his round, sorry, she doesn't leave. He leaves. She stays behind so that she can acquire the skunk. Uh, I'm very jealous of this. I, there was a skunk who lived outside my apartment building in Canada, and they were just the cutest <laughs> little thing. I, I got close enough to pet them once, but I didn't because I didn't want to like mess mm. with the skunk. But ah, uh, I don't want to be a skunk. <laughs> If there's anything I could anamorph into, I think that's the one. <laughs> if you like skunks, maybe you should consider ferret. They got the same face. <laughs> yeah, but they don't do the same waddle. It's. I mean, ferrets have a funny little waddle when they're not running and doing like little hops, and also they also stink a bit. <laughs> <laughs> skunks don't stink is the thing. They're they're like skunk light, skunk point five. <laughs> it's a ferret. Pretty sure they are related. Uh, I think, well, I mean, they're both mustelids. So. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was mm-hmm. Both weasel-like. But yeah, skunks have this sweet little walk. They like mm-hmm. bounce back and forth as they walk because the legs are spaced weirdly. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've called chapter 10, Fly by Night. Um, and it starts with uh, them meeting up in the woods, getting ready to do the thing. Um uh, Marco makes a joke about, uh, you know, not needing sleep if you can run off and do a suicide mission instead. Uh, it's pitch black, so they're gonna morph owls. And Cassie mentions, like, there's a little passage here where she mentions that the, these are the same five kids who were in that construction site, which seems like so long ago, and that that event turned them into soldiers in a war they couldn't hope to win. So yeah, family-friendly entertainment about Yay. child soldiers. Fighting in a in an insurgency, yeah. Uh, it's great how we're in book nine and she's already having panic attacks. We've only got fifty five more to go. Yeah, yeah, nice. definitely. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I misread that back there. I was I was speeding through that chapter and I was like, sorry. <laughs> no, she was just straight up having a panic attack in the in the uh, in the wildlife rehabilitation center. Um. So, Jake. Uh suggest they morph owls, which I would think would be, like, a decision they would make beforehand. They all do have an owl morph, and it is the natural sort of decision here. But, um, Cassie finds this very serendipitous because it aligns well with her other goal for the night, which is to sort of watch out for the skunk babies that are now abandoned, not abandoned, but, um, you know, now without their mother. Uh, and... So she's going to use the the owl's, like, superior senses to try and listen for them. Because they'll be calling out, you know. Um, 
Tobias says he wishes he could go with them, but he can't really do that. And Jake responds by saying that, you know, he's already done enough. He got us the term, he got them the termite, which it admittedly must have been pretty dangerous, you know, because he's like <laughs> swooping down into a, an actually near encampment and picking up a termite. Um, yeah, especially with like them being high alert to just like mm-hmm. basically blast every animal nearby. Especially when, yeah. when they when they know for sure that one of the Andalite bandits favors a red a red tailed hawk. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like they also I mean, they know for sure that the Andalite bandits found their camp because of X's grandstanding yesterday. So. And, yes. and also the fact that a wolf would not run back for its friend and try to lift up a net. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also know an Andalite. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very clear that the Andalite bandits are on to them. They should be looking out for a red tailed hawk. The fact that, that that and then maybe they are, the fact that Tobias was able to do this is very impressive. Um mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a um uh a reminder that they they're in ridiculous clothing, uh stupid outfits except for Rachel because she's found a way to coordinate it. So she looks fine. She looks great despite the fact that she's in her skin tight morphing suit. I I do think isn't she just in a gymnastics leotard though? How do you coordinate? Yeah, I'm pretty that? sure that's I'm pretty sure that's what they've said she has all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, historically, that is what she's worn. Yeah, but like I don't see a reason why you couldn't have other skin tight clothes were, were like, choker were chokers a thing in the 90s uh i i mean yes not so much among children of this age i don't think but definitely yeah i mean like the sort of like thin stretchy ones you know yeah. with the, the the wire design i'm just trying to think of like accessories you could have that would be skin tight and that's all i've got <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway so the plan is they're gonna morph owls and get close. They need to they need to uh demorph at least two hundred yards away, then they're gonna crawl as close as they can at human morph, morph the termites, dig into the force field, and then enter the building from there. Uh so it seems simple, but of course no plan survives contact with the enemy. Um They're gonna morph owl, uh and it's it's weird because they're they seem to be making up a lot of this plan as they go along. Maybe not the best thing to do here in this situation. Yeah, but I thought they had gotten better about this. Yeah. But... No, they've regressed. <laughs> they they make a lot of decisions kind of in the moment in this chapter, which probably not the best thing to do. Um, but anyway, so Cassie's got a lot in her mind while she's morphing Skunk. She's morphing that she's thinking about her science project, lying to her parents, which it mentioned, which is mentioned back there. It really bothers her. She doesn't like lying to her parents. Uh, Axe drinking engine oil, whether that's going to be a problem. Uh, <laughs> and the, the baby Skunk. Again, at least she's thinking along the same lines as me of like, is he just going to fucking fall over dead from this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So she's, she's like, got a lot on her mind right now, and it's making the morphing difficult. Um, we get a morphing is gross sequence, you know, even with Cassie and her talent, she can only do so much. Uh, and, uh, before long, they're owls. And to an owl, the forest at night is a very different place than it is to a human. It's, it's very brightly lit, comparatively. Uh, there's lots of sounds, lots of activity they can detect. Um, so... There's, they all mention that, like, oh, it's, it's a lot different, uh, as an owl. Um, so, they get up and they start moving in the direction of the compound. Uh, Tobias yells out, don't eat anything I wouldn't eat, and then Marco, of course, laughs at the joke. 
uh, I like these moments where they're about to go into something like dangerous or unpleasant, but there's like this little interim part where it's like they're able to enjoy something about a morph they experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just think that's kind of like it's realistic in a way. They're like, yeah, it's distracting like, we, we... themselves from the the horror that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even when things do get into it, there's always like they talk about how much fun it is to be a fly as they're spying mm-hmm. on Chapman or whatever. You know, yeah, like, I, yeah. I just really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so we get the hint that owl feathers were designed not to flutter or ruffle as an owl glides, so owls fly completely silently. Um, and she can hear, like, frightened mice in, in the brush. Uh, she's also listening for the, the baby skunks, uh, as they're doing that. Okay. So, we end that chapter, and, uh, we move into chapter 11. Which I've called splitting the party. Um, you so, never do it. It's always bad. <laughs> there's a mention that they're almost there, and from Jake and Cassie is still listening for the skunk kits. Um, and then she hears them. She hears this sort of mewling sound of of baby skunks calling out to their mother, and it's it's interesting to Cassie that she feels both her human compassion and the hunger of the skunk. To, to the owl, so the, the hunger of the owl for the skunk. To the owl, the skunk babies are food. To Cassie, there's something she wants to protect. And it's strange to feel both of those emotions at the same time. Uh, then we get the, uh, the call out for Jake that they're there. So they land, they demorph as quickly as they can, and they get close to the ground. Because uh, they're close now to the compound. This is a dangerous situation they're in, because they're, they're human bodies in shooting range. Uh, so they need a distraction. And the first idea that they get is from Axe, that, that he's going to go and just be an Andalite and distract them that way. Uh, but Jake nixes that idea, and he said, no. He says, no, Axe, we need you inside. There might be your computers in there, and you're the, you're, you're the only one who can operate them. Um, so who can we have who volunteer? Uh, he's offering here a way out for Cassie, and she realizes this, that he wants to give her a way to avoid becoming a termite. If instead she wants to go wolf and then go and distract the Yurks that way, she could do that, but she's not gonna back out on this. So no one says anything, and they all draw straws. Uh, of course, the person who draws the short straw turns out to be Jake, which surprises everyone, because, uh, they didn't they thought that Jake would naturally be with them, but they set up a situation in which Jake might not go with them. So <laughs> I don't know why that's surprising to them, but okay. Well, um, I mean, just pure statistics. They couldn't have imagined that he would have the 25% yeah. chance of not going with them. <laughs> no, it's like, it, it just says, uh, Jake looks shocked. He held the short straw. And I'm like, it's just a surprise Pikachu face, you know? <laughs> I, um, like, it doesn't say this, but I like to imagine that he was trying to rig the draw and it messed up and now he... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that him would being be... like, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm trying to subtly make it ensure that Cassie gets this place, he's, uh, my girlfriend is in trouble, and then, oh, yeah. fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> that <was> yeah. <laughs> so, Jake uh, uses the wolf morph. 
and uh, figures the Yerks will be on the lookout for wolves because they already saw them as wolves. Um, uh, he says for them to all be careful, and Rachel says, go ahead, Mom. Uh, so we get a little bit of pushback there. Uh, Rachel's confident, as always, but secretly, I'm sure, internally terrified, uh, as they all are. Because who wouldn't be? They're about to go back into a situation very similar to something they did before that was uh, just absolutely traumatizing to them to the point where they're having panic attacks while, you know, taking care of animals. Um, <laughs> so, Axe... I also want to mention, like, it's really interesting how we examine, and this is kind of like a non sequitur a little bit, but I just do like this, how Cassie's stress is presented in this book. There's a whole bunch of things that are making her stressed, but they are not depicted as separate. And I think that's very realistic, kind of insightful to the way anxiety works, and specifically to the way that I've experienced anxiety attacks. It's never just one thing. It's a yeah. bunch of things that pile on top of each other until one thing that would on its own be relatively minor suddenly causes the dam to burst, and you're hyperventilating somewhere you shouldn't be hyperventilating. <laughs> you know? It's it's just... I, I, I it, It's insightful in a way that I appreciate. Um, so, we'll keep going. Uh, Axe asks what they know about the termites they're morphing, and, uh, Cassie gives us a bunch of accurate information about, um, about, uh, termites, but not before Marco says that they're like ants, and we can kind of probably imagine what he's thinking when he says that. Uh, of course... Uh, termites aren't ants. They're, they're more closely related to cockroaches. Um, it's a case of convergent evolution that they, they, they both develop this eusocial, uh, this eusocial lifestyle. Um, but they eat cellulose, which is the stuff in wood. Uh, fun fact from me, they actually have specialized protists that live in their guts that help them digest it, because otherwise they wouldn't be able to digest cellulose at all. Um, the worker termites eliminate their waste, and then the soldier termites eat it, and they're morphing uh, shit-eating soldier termites. So that's fun. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Don't think about it. <laughs> um, so, they see something far off in the woods, and it's uh, the spotlights go on, and they hear uh, the howl of a wolf. So, that's the cue from Jake. It's time to go. Uh, Rachel eggs them on as they run hunched low uh, from from tree to bush through the forest. And, like, this is, I think, one of those scenes. Because they're not an animal morph now. They're just humans and an andalite running mm -hmm. through the forest like gorilla fighters. This is, like, some straight-up Vietnam shit. And <laughs> I I, th I think it's it's moments like this where the, the veil is peeled back and... This is revealed to be a book series about what it is, which is children fighting a war. Um, Cassie says that he, that she hopes Prince that she hopes Jake's okay, and then Axe says Prince Jake is very smart, but we don't get a "Don't call me Prince," so that's not going on the counter because um, yep. he's not there to do that. So they're getting close. Um, they reach a point where it's time to morph termite, and they do. And we get a morphing is gross sequence until Yay. the end of the chapter. 
Uh, There is something important that happens here, which is that, uh, well, termites, at least soldier termites and worker termites, don't have eyes, so they're blind. And Cassie is glad for that. (laughs) (sighs) I've called chapter 12, Resistance is Futile. (laughs) <laughs> uh, hey, ready for more fucked up bug stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, Cassie, cannot can no longer see, but she can definitely feel. She can feel her body changing uh, into that of a soldier termite. She wants to scream, but she doesn't have uh, the parts for that. So I could have also called this chapter. I have no mouth, but I'm a scream. And then Harlan Ellison would come back from the grave and punch me in the face, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, is Harlan Ellison dead? I don't think Harlan Ellison is dead. No, no, he's not dead. Hold on. I have to check this out. Harlan Ellison. It, no, was. Okay, no. I don't have to apologize to Harlan Ellison. He died in 2018. Right. Right after um, I finished Scooby-Doo. Well. Yep. Yeah. Um... So he also worked very heavily on Babylon Five, so so we we at some point we gotta watch that, um, and do podcasts. About well, it again, don't worry, we we now. still have five years. Yeah, in twenty twenty eight maybe, and then we can do Babylon Five. <laughs> um, it'll be a shorter podcast than this, though, by, by far. Uh, so she's less than a quarter of an inch long now. And I like how it says I was as long as two or three letters on this page. Uh, because <laughs> as a kid, it's like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I, I missed. Really see I, how, yeah, how, I absolutely yeah. missed that, that she's actually referencing, uh, I guess, the journal that she's writing. Yeah. Well, when, when they when they mention like fleas, they say they're about the size of a period on the page. So that that's not the oh, first I time they've done something like I that. I definitely also missed yeah. that. Yeah. I've never um, caught on. <laughs> So, there's, like, this big thing in front of her. It's really, really long and and huge and wide, like a fallen log, but way longer than a fallen log. And it turns out it's a pine needle. So that's how, that's, like, the size they are, that a pine needle looks like a log to them. Um, She waits for the termite's instincts to kick in, but there's, like, nothing. The the mind isn't saying anything. There's no real instincts. It's just completely silent. Um, No instincts that are immediately ascertainable, anyway. Uh, there's some subtler stuff that's going on here that we'll get into. (laughs) Cassie says, uh, asks if everyone's okay, and Rachel says, yeah, yeah, she is. Um, they mention, she mentioned that they can't see anything, and then Cassie says the termites are blind except for the queens and kings. And maybe that's something you should have mentioned before, like, to prepare people for the experience they were about to have, but I don't know. (laughs) Uh... Don't worry about actually, it, it's fine. I looked this up, and yeah, apparently termites do have, like, breeding kings. They're not like ants, and, like, ants, ant drones will die after breeding, but termites have, like, long-term breeding partners. It's interesting. The kings are much <laughs> smaller, of course, but, um, so Axe mentions these are very strange creatures, and, like, yeah, damn, and, and, and I mean, termites are, are fucking weird, even to humans, so, um, <laughs> There's no instincts. Uh, it's just a machine. And at this point, they should be really thinking about uh, the ants that they were earlier. And maybe anticipating what's about to happen, but they kind of don't. 
Um, well, so, I don't know, because when they were ants, they had very specific instincts, and they were almost yeah. lost in the ant until Tobias was able to snap them out of it and get them back on mission. No, but you're remember, right. D- Dick was on the internet, so he should know that they also have, like, the whole fucking hive mind mentality. Ter- termite, termite, like, hive mind seems to work differently in animorphs to ants. And I guess that would make sense, because it's they're not, like, closely related species. The, the two <laughs> things evolve differently. So you'd, you'd imagine the experience yeah, it's, of, it's... of that eusociality would be different. I think also, yeah. like, there's a point... I think they, like... I think bees would be very different, too. And I don't remember if there was a point where they ever morph bees. Yeah, I was just about to ask if they morph bees at any point. Well, <laughs> the thing is deal. that bees... Bees tend to make a lot more independent decisions. And they've done studies recently that have shown that bees are actually capable of what appears to be play behavior. So... Whereas they operate in, like, a hive situation, they're also, like, going out there and, like, exploring the world and making, like, you know, they're, 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 they're more yeah, visual some, creatures, some, they're not some as... Of the, some of them are falling in love with human ladies, as we saw. Mm-hmm. Some of them are falling in love with human ladies <laughs> and then suing, suing the <laughs> for right, emancipation. I totally, I, totally, I totally forgot that that's also the other, like, half of that movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> half of it is straight up just a courtroom drama. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, but it's like, yeah, I'd heard that. Also, I guess, yeah, they Um, do turn into bees. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there's... So, we'll we'll see how it's different when they turn into bees. And and I feel feel like bees might not be as bad. Maybe. This is book 40, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a long time from now. I think I do remember something like that very briefly. I have to point out, sorry, I don't mean to derail, but the tagline, this is your brain, this is your brain with a yerk, any questions, is really dumb. (laughs) Because well, it... that's a TV commercial at the time. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the lady no. would be like, this is your brain, and hold up an egg, and then she'd crack the egg, and then put it on a frying pan, and be like, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And that was the end of the commercial. <laughs> uh, it was... Anyway, it was, it I was... just want to say that, looking at this book, book 40 is published in March of 2000, so we're going to get 31 more books in the next three years. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, these came out very often. <laughs> uh, Every time so, you put it into scale of just how many more books we have to read, because <laughs> it's like hey, what we're like we're like what an A for a nine for the way through the series at this point. <laughs> don't worry about it. Just let them come as they come. It's fine. Um, just got it's just you just gotta let it wash over you, I guess. Embrace the madness of the xenomorphs. <laughs> Yeah, embrace the madness. Um, so, th- there is something happening, though, because Cassie mentions there's something calling to her. And Marco says that she's getting the same... Sorry, Marco says he's getting the same feeling. So, um, Rachel says, let's follow that. It's as good a direction as any. And they go in the direction of the vague, distant voice. Which, like, yeah, that's the right direction. But also, you should be worried now. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Ominous, huh? Ominous, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, they're gonna follow that, and, um, termite legs are not strong, they're not fast, they're they're slower than ants, uh, they're not really as good at moving as ants are, especially because there's this giant, unwieldy head. Um, but they motor forward, go in the direction of the voice, and Rachel says she feels something. Uh, it 
seems like the edge of the force field. It, it's it's sort of a vibration, you know. And Axe says that they're gonna have to sort of dig under it because it's gonna stop at the top layer of dirt. But then Cassie finds this pine needle um, that is stopping the force field. So apparently the force field works like a fountain. It's just like a come through the top and then anything that like it hits, it stops it. So there's like a shadow that it's casting. Um, so they sort of go underneath the pine needle and they, they pass through the force field. Uh, which, you know what? That seems like a really, that seems like a flaw, you know, in your, <laughs> yeah. in your force field technology. <laughs> I have to point out, like, so how come the force field just stops at the ground? And, like, if you, like, dug out beyond, like, beneath it, how come it wouldn't, like, immediately stretch to meet the rest of the ground? Oh, well, I mean, they, they project the force field from where it is as they set up, right? So this pine needle was already there when they dropped the force field, so that's where it ends mm -hmm. to the ground. So, mm -hmm. like, the, the thing that's beneath it, the hole, the dirt there, it, it isn't that the force field isn't filling in, it's just straight up that this pine needle is the break point of the ground. So if you moved it, yeah, it might fill in, but... For the moment, it's just serving as a bridge. Okay. Yeah. But follow-up question: How come they haven't designed this force field to be a complete sphere <laughs> to go underground their compound? <laughs> because they're dumb. Anyway, uh... <laughs> they know that what they're dealing with are people who can morph into animals. You might want to make sure they can't dig underneath you. <laughs> like I said, they're what? dumb. So Cassie asks, asks if everyone is through, and Rachel responds yes, but she seems distracted. Like she's listening to something and doesn't want anyone interrupting. But that's okay, because Cassie doesn't really want in anyone interrupting the thing she's listening to either. Uh, <laughs> so, I do want to say before you get too far, there is a moment mm -hmm. before they find the pine needles where they find the force field and they just kind of bonk into it. But since they can't see, they don't realize what's happening and they're just like walking forward and not moving. And it's just, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um... They, you know, it's a, you know, occasionally the NPCs in open world games are just gonna have their pathing fuck up. You know, it's just gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> They're just gonna keep walking into something and they can't get out. <laughs> so they start like trailing off in thought speech, and then Cassie detects like familiar smells, and it feels like home. She also um, mentions earlier that uh, for the, for a weird, this is like earlier before they pass through the force field, that she actually thought for a moment that the far off non-voice voice was that of her mother, and that she wants to go toward it. So this is like why I think they should be doing some mindfulness meditation or something <laughs> in order to practice for situations like this, where they need to be on the lookout <laughs> for, uh, maladaptive instincts, shall we call them. Because <laughs> uh, they can be subtle, apparently. She's, cause now she feels like she's at home, and she smells other soldiers, and she is in the colony, and they are of the colony. The colony, period, one sentence. Mm hmm. <laughs> um. For the colony. Uh, a worker shits in front of her, and then she eats it. Yum. And it's got messages in it, and there's like hormones, and, and, and orders, and like uh, instructions. Of course, when uh, I read that, it's like, I know they mean, like, animal hormones and all, and I was just like, God, what if I had to take my estrogen that way? <laughs> hormones are a very diverse and complex class of, of uh, 
mm-hmm. of chemicals. I know that we, as as trans people, are conditioned to think of them in one particular yeah, way. Yeah, but... you know, again, like, anytime somebody just casually says hormones or, like, uh, transition and, like, you know, like, we're transitioning to this, it's like our brains immediately go to a different place just because we're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, also, the first instance of estrogenizing hormones that we have was distilled from horse urine, so... Yay, fun! It's not that different. Yay! Instead of pee, I mean, like, it's just shit. <laughs> I mean, like, adrenaline is a hormone. All neurotransmitters are hormones. Hormones are just chemicals that, like, transmit messages. That's it. You know? They're... Yeah, it's just, you, just gotta flip, you just gotta hunger. flip the switch in your brain to go ahead and release yeah. the, the one that makes the boob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or if you can't make it your, uh, yourself, then Storbot is fine. But luckily, we're past the point where, where we have to rely on horse pee. <laughs> um, so, so, some of the workers are off to chew a new tunnel, others are off to go to the egg chamber and rotate eggs, and Cassie's orders are to, uh, move toward center, move toward the voice, the voice at the middle. Um, and there's a part of her, a distant part, that seems like something alien, something different to what she is, uh, that's, that's screaming, what am I doing, and screaming, no, and she's trying to ignore this voice, uh, that's screaming, no, 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 let me go, um, but no, she's focused on moving toward the, uh, the, uh, sort of source of this voice, this powerful smell, um, that, that's drawing her in, and... All the while, she's ignoring this desperate voice in the back of her head that's not hers, that she doesn't see as hers. But then suddenly she does the voice, my voice, and she's back. And she's screaming in her head, but she has no control over her body. There's a stronger will than hers that's guiding it, and she no longer has that control. Um, so I imagine it's very much like being a controller in this in this sort of situation, because she's now connected to her rational human part of her brain, but that's not making it through to any sort of motor functions. Well, maybe that's true, but also I think it's very impressive that she's able to reassert herself in this yeah. way. Because mm-hmm. normally when they lose control to the animals, they have to have someone outside, like, jog mm-hmm. them out of it, you know, whether through yeah. thought, speech, or just whapping them a little if they're a dog, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, th- they need some sort of external stimuli, and Cassie mm-hmm. is able to fully reassert herself here. It just doesn't matter that she's done yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, well, she finds herself in a huge, to her, like, auditorium-sized room, and at the center of it, grotesque, pulsating, is the Borg Queen. I mean, sorry, the Termite Queen. Um, <laughs> she has been assimilated. Like, if, you, if you've ever seen a Termite Queen, they're weird and gross. They're like big, pulsating sausages full of eggs. Um, with little useless termite body waving around. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like, termite legs. I wonder if this oh. was actually the inspiration for the uh, the Empress Ballbacks in the Pikmin games, because it is just straight probably. up. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um. So. Like it's just uh, a little head, and then the rest is just womp. <laughs> yep. That's what termite things are like. So she sees this this thing in front of her, or she doesn't see it because they're blind, right? She senses it. And I'm not really sure how she's sensing it, <laughs> but okay, we need some kind of description. Um, so I, she also sees like a pile of slimy eggs being picked up and carried away by worker termites. It's the queen. And that's where we end our chapter. 
Indeed um, we do. We'll finish this up next time because we're just doing this in two big old bites this time. Yeah, because of 24 <laughs> chapters, it was just easier to do through 12 twice. Yep. <sighs> what a weird book. Yes, yes, I like this. At least again, this is at least continuing the trend of the books kind of getting into the shit with it, like from like chapter four or so. Like, there's still, like, a few at the start of just, like, here's whatever nonsense we're up to, but then at least they're actually, like, tackling, like, okay, here's the actual issue we're addressing in this book, let's get to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very fair. But yeah, no, it's almost, in so many of these, the the plan is big and alarming and over the top, and this one is seems pretty chill by comparison. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're planning to log the forest, but also so much of this book has just been vibes and trauma. Mm-hmm. It's it's not... Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very... It's very, let's let's take a moment to examine. And I think that's exactly. what, Cass- what Cassie's books are really good at. Let's take a moment to sit back and think about some the implications of what's happening. Um, yeah, Cassie's we didn't really get that enough that. in the first one, I think, because the first one she was mostly like whale mysticism, and also is it okay to be a dolphin? But this one, oh, yeah. we're, we're yeah. in it now. Like a lot of her well, first book was, was there... her also on the fence of like, is it all right for me to be the one making decisions for yeah. a change? <laughs> there was a limited amount of things that that book at that point in the series had to sit back and 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 sort of unpack. Um, so. We didn't really get a lot of that at the time, but yeah. <laughs> as we go forward, I think we're going to see a lot more of the unpacking happen in Cassie's books, where we're sort of examining what is the emotional toll of of this. What are the moral implications yeah. of what the well, animorphs are doing? Also, her, her first book also had the like split between being the first time she was narrator and also like the last third of it being also here's an Andalite. <laughs> so let's focus but, on that rather than anything else. Yeah. Though, to be fair, I think that all of the Animorphs are kind of involved in unpacking the the moral implications of what they're doing, but all in very different ways. Yeah. Like, Cassie, Cassie is more about, like, how can we maintain our, um, how can we maintain our, our uh, you know good natures it, yeah while, it's like while involved ha- in this kind how of can thing. we how can we keep our humanity at a seven and not have that yeah. decrease by having to do and, war yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and then rachel is kind of involved in examining the same thing but from a different angle um and then jake is all about like the the responsibilities of leadership and the kind of toll that that takes and then marco is like what think what kind of moral things are okay to compromise in yeah. <laughs> the the sort of uh effort to to win uh because marco is is a little bit more pragmatic than yeah. everyone else Dick, Dick um, is also again like him having to like weigh mm-hmm. being the leader to uh if we succeed this could actually blow back and get my brother killed yeah <laughs> so it's like By not, his... not, like doing the right thing here and fighting the yurks could also directly affect my family <laughs> yeah Tobias is a little bit more abstract um, yeah, he's only had one book so far, to be fair. Yeah. Same with Zach. It, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, um, I do love Cassie books, though, because they're, they're able to kind of sit back and do this, and I think, uh, what's the next Cassie book? Um, the next Cassie book 
It's not going to be for a while. Yeah, uh, it's a full cycle, but... Let's see. I'm going to need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking it up. Uh, so we got this in, and then we go into Android. I think it's Android. 14? Oh, yeah, it's... it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, the horse one. Okay. The horse one. Um, <laughs> oh, the next Cassie book's not going to be anything like this at all. <laughs> yeah, no. But the one after that will be. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of a morph. <laughs> the one after that, the Cassie book after that one is is the is Cassie to Butterfly, and that one is all examination, one hundred percent ethical yeah. dilemmas. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I forgot about the horse one until the, hor- I saw yeah, it the, the, and the horse one smashing just... back. Okay, there are two types of Cassie books. There is the low key examination of some kind of moral implication of the series, and then there's what I shall call the Kate Buffalo family, where we just do some weird <laughs> nonsense. That's true, because she gets a Helmicron book, too. Yes! <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here being like, I don't know what like, half this shit you're talking about is. <laughs> All you need to know is that Cassie books are either going to be very uh, like emotionally impactful and... Um, Contemplative, contemplative, yes. or fucking or, or rigorous, <laughs> or they're just gonna be some random nonsense bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and the the and the unknown, uh, Cassie to, to horse is definitely in the random nonsense bullshit category. <laughs> uh, <sighs> but anyway, like this one followed by ooh, the one we're gonna read after this one. Oh, that's gonna be good. That's that's two like sucker punches in a row. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've got this. This book is just is just very much uh, invested in in Cassie's state of mind, and I like that because we need that right now. We need to say, okay, check in. Okay, how y'all doing? Like mentally, like emotionally. How's that treating you? You know? Yeah. Like especially especially Cassie, who is. Out of all of them, the one who is the most compassionate, the least willing to kill, um, and yet who has done so several times. Probably mm-hmm. one of the first people to kill, honestly, was when... Um, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think she yep. is the first kill yep. on the count, because she got that cop. Yep. And the Yerk. So first two. Uh, Wait, but... but, but... Mm-hmm. Wait, but wasn't it Rachel who grabbed the cop because she was the elephant? Right? Like Cassie was the one who was captured. No, because Cassie, the, the cop led Cassie to the pier. They never saw the cop again, and Cassie didn't want to talk about what happened to him. So my, the only thing I can think of is that Cassie morphed horse, stepped on his head, and he's no longer a problem. <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, forget that. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember explicitly so like Rachel also getting her first kill at that point because she was an elephant grabbed the guy who was like mm. near one of them and just basically fucking yeeted him into the ceiling. No, that was a different guy. So yeah, she might have gotten the first kill, but Cassie that's definitely got true. Yeah, I, I, got the I think we had some debate about that at the time. Yeah. I don't remember if we gave her a point for that because it didn't say the guy died. So. Yeah, um, I, I feel like we. I think based on the context of how far he got thrown, we were like, "That dude has to I think, be dead." I think He's did. just I think he did. was just a human. <laughs> is the thing he wasn't like a he wasn't an alien. So it's like we were like, "Well, the alien might survive that, but he's a human dude. He's definitely dead." 
<laughs> the we get some more of this existential horror here as well, um, with her kind of like losing herself to the the sort of the call of the um the termite queen. And you're right, it is very vibes based. Like there's a kind of a kind of poetry here in that we are led to understand like how it feels to be under the thrall of the termite, um, mostly through how the text progresses, you know? <laughs> because they don't say, oh, it felt like there was a will that slowly subsumed my own. They just, like, have it happen. You know what I mean? Because the characters don't notice it happening until they're no longer thinking for themselves. Like, there's a point where they just trail off, and then there's no longer any internal monologue. Uh, right. except for the internal monologue that's happening in the background from a part of Cassie's brain that she's no longer in tune with. Um, which is very interesting to me. Uh, it's also kind of different from how the ants do um, in ways that you mentioned. Anyway, I, I like that a lot. Um, and I'm excited to finish up this book. Yeah, okay. So I just went back and checked, and I think a thing that's really interesting about the termite segment, she's only in it for 26 sentences. That's it. Mm. And then she mm. reasserts herself. But also, the reason it's 26 sentences isn't because it's long. It's because when she's a termite, like the verbiage changes, the way she talks mm. changes, and that's fascinating yeah. to me. The like, like the pure linguistics of it. She stops using complete sentences. They start being just like, yeah. Vague orders, period. Indistinct yeah. yet powerful instructions, period. And that's mm -hmm. not how she normally talks, and that's just such a nice little detail. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Um You have too much PTSD and worries, just become bug. Just yeah. just become just just serve a better <laughs> a higher purpose. Abandon your puny human individuality and become something greater than yourself. No head, no thoughts, head empty, only bug. Attack the, <laughs> uh, this logging company from the inside. Bring it down from its foundation. <laughs> They'll never see it coming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think unless anyone else has some final thoughts, we've, we've pretty much wrapped up discussion here, so. <laughs> no, I think that's it. Yeah, so in that case, there's not much left to say, but remember, Ciro did nothing wrong. As we can now all agree, Ciro did nothing wrong. Yes, we can agree that that is the case, at least at this point in time, that Ciro did nothing wrong. <laughs> oh, it's only gonna get... He's only gonna have done less wrong, like, as we go on. It's that... Uh, things well, don't get worse for Ciro, you know? Things do we'll get see. worse for Ciro, but more in, like, a personal experience type way. Anyway, bye! <laughs>